Anon, are you recording? Anon? He uh, just messaged me. Something about calling him Podcast Commander? Hmm? What? Did, did someone call for me? We, we're not calling you Podcast Commander. I, I mean, that's just the title I was given. I, I guess it's just easier to be that if you only have one podcast. Welcome, Guardians, to the Paladin Lorecast. I'm a non-pig, and with us this week we have our fantastic hosts, Purple Chimera and Mythos Mike. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How are you? Awesome. Mike? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I just said I'm awesome. Why don't you ever listen to me? I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. We're also joined, as always, with by Handsome Dragon in spirit. I I hope he's well. I don't know if he's well. I don't actually care if he's well. But this week, we will be talking all about the Paladins of the Reef. But before we get into that, we got some news yesterday, and we wanted to make sure we talked about it here on the show, because there are some curious implications. So let's move on to the weekly highlight. Weekly highlights will vary with each episode. They can include community stories, fan fiction, gear and weapon text, grimmer general hype, etc., this week's weekly highlight is going to be the first uh, the first reveal stream on the Age of Triumphs. So uh, we have some images here, and I'll make sure that we tweet these out on the day that the uh, episode drops as well. So you can you can look at these and listen along. The first one is of a a hunter carrying the Aegis going up to face a hobgoblin in uh, the Mars, or I forget if it was left or right. right uh, also known as the past side of uh, the Vault of Glass during the Atheon encounter. Uh, but what's interesting here is his set of armor, which features on his left leg, or rather his lack of left leg, being replaced with a Vex leg. Uh, so what's everyone's impression on that, just in general? Hunters are turning into Kabar. Confirmed, or caber <laughs> rather. It it seems odd because there there are two kind of obvious choices. The first choice is that these are just like a fancy pair of pants that make you look like you have a robotic leg, mm-hmm. which seems really weird because the robotic leg is smaller than his other leg. Yeah. And the other option is that the hunter lost his leg. And that's why he has a robotic leg, but they're guardians, and so like, does is his ghost like broken and can't revive him all the way? And like, yeah, maybe they got into a fight. He's like, you know what? I'm not even gonna fix your leg. He's like, well, I don't even need your ghost. <laughs> yeah, like what what happened here? One one argument I saw was before this image released, when it was just him standing, was that he would be a new vendor. And that was sort of like the excuse for why this guardian can actually have a Vex leg. And um, I liked that, but having not just one, but two action shots uh, in front of us here sort of, in my opinion, confirms it is some form of armor. 
uh, personally, I think it, it comes from the vault of glass. It's only seen in these vault of glass uh, shots, and I like it. I really like it, but the asymmetry has always been an issue for me in Destiny. I know in I know in a recent stream, uh, Chris Barrett said how he enjoyed the asymmetry. I hate the asymmetry. It oh infuriates me to no end. But this leg, since it's so complete, it's not just I'm wearing a knee high boot and an ankle high boot because. I don't know how to put on shoes. This is sort of more allowable because it's like, I lost a leg in battle and replaced it. Yeah, I'm not going to get mad at you for not cutting off your other leg and also replacing it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so let's move on to the next image. This image uh, looks like it's on Mercury based on the sun in the background. Uh, we have a Titan holding what looks to be a Soros and the Hunter again. Uh, it might be on the jumping puzzle. Uh, sorry about that. It might be on the jumping puzzle, which has been... Uh, I've heard it was rumored, at the very least, to have been slightly reworked in the Vault of Glass. Uh, what does everyone think about this picture? See, the thing that interests me the most is the fact that there's a big explosion or a sun or something in the background of this picture. Oh, maybe it is um, an explosion. That's that's possibly it because you see the little ring at the bottom mm-hmm. um, that looks like the the pads that you stand on to raise the spire at the beginning of the raid. So possibly it's just an explosion. Um, either a Vex machine blew up or there's some explosives being used by a Guardian. Um, so that's what the first thought that came to mind, but I, it could be on Mercury. Okay, uh, perhaps see, I... I see what you I see what you mean now. There's st- the hunter is standing in the conflux. I looked at this and thought it was the jumping puzzle, and that was uh, the disappearing platform. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of visual effect. A lot yeah. of Vex technology is that blue vanishing sort of mm-hmm. effect uh, when the technology gets used. Awesome, uh, Purple. What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I, I agree that. It- we don't have quite enough of that, you know, whatever the hunter is standing on to kind of make the determination of exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is just, it's posed such like a classic destiny, like teaser shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's much that we can draw off of. The previous image really looked like they took a screenshot of something when someone was doing something, even if it was a staged circumstance. Yeah. Whereas this just seems like, Okay, we need a picture, you know. Like, let's set up, let's set up a picture. Someone draw the picture or whatever it is, you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In in this uh, image, we do see a Titan decked out in the Vault of Glass gear, and I'm not entirely familiar. It's mainly just the helmet that I can I can determine. But is that the uh, original Vault of Glass gear? It's actually not revamped or redesigned. There's uh, a. Um... It's a slight little, if you look at the very top of the gun, it could be just the way the light's reflecting, but the very top of the gun and right below the helmet, there's that little slight blue light. Mm-hmm. Do you guys see that? I do. Yeah. Um, it makes me think, I mean, obviously, if, if you've played with that armor before, you know that the, the eye at the center of the helmet was red. 
in its original release. It makes me think that it, the color has possibly changed, but beyond that, I don't see a lot of aesthetically different things on the armor. Yeah, the geometry is the same, but the color might be different. Exactly. So maybe just a little, maybe a different shader. Maybe the that armor has uh, more shader effects, or perhaps that's a chroma effect. Well, the uh, ever since the release of Destiny, there actually has been a fabled blue set of vaulted glass armor. Mm-hmm. So this this might be it. Uh, one thing I do notice on this is the Titan Mark is different. This Titan Mark features the uh, like spreading zipper design that we see on the Shattered Vault Cloak and also on the Warlock Robes. Whereas the original Titan Mark was um, Mark of the Great Prism, I believe. which sort light, of had Light of the Great Prism. Light of the Great Prism, thank you. Um, which had more of the... The little floating Vex pixels that you always see around their teleporters and whenever it's involved with them had more of that style, uh, very transparent, translucent uh, design. And it was now, kind of bluish, yeah, like yeah. that bluey glow. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that design applied to the Hunter cloak, whereas the original Hunter cloak is being applied to the Titan Mark. Uh, it's sort of more warlocks they get left out well we just haven't seen them yet i'm i'm curious but but if the hunter and the titan swapped then the warlock gets to swap with himself (laughs) (laughs) guys i i I changed too you're still the same i changed with myself (laughs) bungie hates the warlocks yes we do yes they do poor poor deej (laughs) maybe that's why he's everyone all the designers are like i'm gonna get back at deej he took the last donut (laughs) (laughs) but uh what i would actually assume here is that either we are gonna have two sets two individual sets of armor uh possibly one for vault of glass whenever you go into the new 390 light vault of glass you can get the basic blue tint armor and whenever it's the weekly challenge, you can get the new geometry armor. Or the new geometry is actually ornaments that you can apply. Um, either they way. They did say there were going to be ornaments, they so did. I would guess that route. Yeah. Either way, I am excited. This armor looks amazing. It's got throwback, the unyielding cask of the uh, Crota's End. That was my favorite helmet for all of Destiny. Nothing has ever surpassed it. And not only is it my favorite helmet, but it has such a great history with myself. Because me and me and my best friend Guardian both loved that helmet from the second we saw it actually on a Guardian. And I got it first. And then I got it second. And then I also got it third and fourth and Aww. fifth and six and i was deleting them and sending him screenshots of them being deleted before he ever got one and it was awesome <laughs> but that that sort of brings us to the next uh the next guardian another titan featured in either what is the new crota's end armor or the new crota's end armor with its ornament uh, so what's everyone's impression on this? I, I sort of focused entirely on the armor and cut off the background. He's in the, in the full image. He is holding the sword, presumably about to go and smack Crota while he's kneeling. 
Well, it looks like he's in an anti-gravity bubble because <laughs> it's like he's floating away. Well, it's not that he's floating away. Do you want to? Do you want to be a little more specific about that? <laughs> sure. So it looks like there's um, like almost at the joints um, and and kind of the edges of his armor, there are like pieces that look like they're breaking off and floating away, and it looks like kind of like an oversole. Yeah. That's that's exactly how I saw it. <laughs> and if that's if if my unyielding cask is gonna get that much more badass, oh I'm so happy. <laughs> I am so happy. <laughs> makes and, me wonder what the sorry. No 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 what? It just makes me wonder what how the warlock armor and hunter armor are going to look, if they're going to have the same effect or yeah. you know, if warlocks are just gonna have the same well, armor that we did last time around and D just gonna point out it's just like this is what you get for being a warlock. That's actually a very good point. The the Vault of Glass gear, we only see a change on the of the hunter, whereas the Crota's End gear, so far, we've only seen the change on the Titan. So I'm not saying that the changes are only per one class, but they might be different per class. Like the Titans might get the Oversoul, and the Hunters might get this, and the Warlocks might get that. Um, I think it was I think it was announced in this TWAB recently that on the 21st or 22nd, whichever one is the last stream, we will actually see the things we can get, the armor we can achieve. Mm-hmm. So the week before it launches, we will get our final answer. Uh, so let's move on to the last image. It's, it's sort of the least important image. It just really caught my eye because uh, we have two hobgoblins here holding their standard line rifles, only they're not so standard. They're black. I, If I remember correctly, the original ones were bronze, yeah. at least for most of the... Um... They matched the Vex that carried them. Exactly, which is... It could be just an aesthetic change, or there could be some sort of explanation behind this as to why the... This is the uh, this is the Mars version of the two-way shield portion of the gatekeeper section mm-hmm. um, during the raid, and I forget the name. Are those the precursors or are those the? Um... Those are precursors. the other ones. <laughs> I don't the know. other ones. I don't know yeah, these called. are the precursors. The descendants yeah. are the uh, the dull gray. The precursors are the metallic silver. The precursors have like more of a flare. And the descendants have a circle. Uh, That's right. I'm talking about their headpieces, by the way. Right. Uh, so obviously the look has changed at least somewhat. Yeah, yeah. But it just caught my eye. Maybe, maybe that's how it's always been, and I've just never noticed. Um, that's that's entirely possible. I, don't know, I feel like they look a lot cooler. I can't place my finger on why, but it's possibly because they're. I'm just able to look at them and not. Like, they're not trying to kill me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's another image um, that we don't have here of the sword bearer. It's this, like, low-angle shot looking up at the sword bearer. And some people mistook him for uh, Crota. But the sword bearers are, like, a fiery orange, whereas Crota's, like, that neon green. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's just, like, such a high-resolution shot that it's like, oh, my God, that looks so awesome, which is exactly what these uh, hobgoblins are. Because it's like they're so metallic, they're so like clean and precise, and you can actually like appreciate 
just how badass they are because you're not getting shot at they're not janking around like morons they're they're just this still action shot and yeah. uh the closer one if you look closely at his eye it looks like he's just coming out of or just going into that uh self-defense mechanism where he's he's starting to glow orange yeah you can see mm-hmm. some of the glow around his head yeah yeah that's really the only area though oddly Obviously, the uh, the hobgoblins kneel down, and then they have the whole void go around them. But this could be like the very first frame of that effect starting. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And also, um, something I I've noticed before, but it's just so weird to see it again. They have giant hands. Mm-hmm. They, they have really like ten do. inch fingers. It's just it's creepy. They're not the most friendly looking constructs. Yeah, <laughs> it it really. Um, emphasizes that what is it the mythoclast that has the line about having to be retrofitted for yeah. human hands well mm-hmm. it was it was built for human hands not that it yeah, was retrofitted built, yeah which yeah because like you look at this it's it's odd that machines even have guns that use hands but because <laughs> in my in my mind they would just attach to their arm and be and there you go but uh, they have these. They would have a gun where the grip—I don't know what the hell it'd be called. Uh, the grip for it could essentially be like seven, eight inches around, and we would need like both of our hands to actually hold that in our hand. But they're—they're they're holding it one-handed. They're—they're they're fine. These giant rifles—they can hold it steady and snipe you from across the map with their giant creepy fingers. Ugh seriously <laughs> but it is it is really cool to get to actually appreciate the the geometry of a hobgoblin especially one of the coolest uh designs within within the vex okay so we don't have any more pictures but we do have a couple uh things that uh were sort of noticed uh, personally, I've seen a we've we should have all seen in the first teaser the Fatebringer was being used. It was the classic bronze, but uh, it wasn't dealing arc damage. Now there was another Fatebringer scene, not in action, just a picture of a blue Fatebringer, sort of like how we've been seeing this blue armor coming up. So it might be that uh. The blue weapons have the arc damage, might not. In uh, the image with the Hunter and the Titan, the Vision of Confluence actually has a bit of a blue tint as well. Mm-hmm. So, maybe. Uh, what do you think? The blue weapons could be challenge mode, orange weapons could be normal? I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be my assumption as well. Okay. And then, also, we sort of glazed over it, but obviously, all the raids are coming back. That's incredible. I'm so excited. <laughs> looking forward to it again, especially Vault of Glass. I'm looking forward to Kurtizen. Kurtizen is my favorite of the old ones. Right, right. But, uh, unlike with Sepix Prime, unlike with Fogoth, Unlike with Omnigol. Tanix. Tanix as well. Yeah, that's good. 
Uh, I'm missing someone. Who am I missing? That's it. Yeah. Ah, uh, the it. Nexus. Unlike oh, the Nexus. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no real change. All these strikes came back with a revamp. They, it's not Fogoth. It's another hive abomination. It's not Sepex Prime. It's Sepex Perfected because Siva came back and re- reconstructed it. It's not Omnigol. It's Omnigol because she undid her death. So I guess that one sort of is still Omnigol. But either way. But, but there was still a progression <laughs> of the story. Exactly. Like... Yeah. It's not Omnigol. Now go back and fight the same Omnigol. You're not going back in time. Omnigol came back. Of, of Hive Abomination came up. It's not Fogoth. Uh, Sepix got rebuilt as Sepix perfected. The Nexus was pulled from another timeline. You know, we have these explanations as to how they how we're fighting them again and why we're fighting them again but as for the raids there aren't any actual changes they're not sevified they're not takenified there's nothing it's just go back and celebrate how you've accomplished this raid so what i expect to see a lot of people do is say that we're going back in time but there's really no reason to think that in my opinion there's really no reason to think that whatsoever i don't think so I think I, I agree. I, I think that like as from a lore perspective, there's like I don't think that this um update is is relevant to the lore. Mm-hmm. I mean it's clearly they are trying to have a celebratory phase of the end of Destiny One. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a thirteen page record book yeah. where you can show all yeah. the things that yeah. you did like that's clearly what they're doing I, I think this is outside outside the war so to look at this it's this is a game they need to do things that games need to do don't think too hard on it pretty much I agree and uh, also we have challenge modes coming to the Vault of Glass and to Crota's End um, challenge modes never really had an importance in the lore they were just another this is a game we need to do things that are because it's a game, don't mm-hmm. look too deep into it. So, uh, personally, I'd say this 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 rule carries over. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, there are like King's Fall. You can look at the mechanics of the raid and see how it ties into the lore. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think challenge modes really apply to that because they're just like another they, way. Yeah, it, it's just another way for for you to play to make it interesting to play because it's a game. Yeah, I agree. Because like really, uh, King's Fall is a perfect example. Uh, the War Priest, the same person can't carry the brand twice. The brand isn't even mentioned in the lore. Like, it's entirely based on its mechanic. Right. All right. But so there is actually uh, one thing that I didn't add here uh, about this, about the Age of Triumph that isn't that is sort of connected to the lore. A little less known age was called the Machine Age. Uh, I believe this this was mentioned in um, the Transmission Crisis cards. And uh, it's sort of an 
wherever it was mentioned, it sort of implied that this this age came before the golden age, like it was sort of a transitioning point. So then we went from pre-golden age to machine age to golden age, possibly that order, maybe not, to dark age to city age, and now the triumphant age, the age of triumph, however you want to call it. So it's really, uh, in my opinion, it really does signify the turning point of time. You know, like everything we've done has been so important that we've we've reached a new pivotal moment in in the history of our galaxy. Yes, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I didn't expect silence after that. It was like, oh, no, crap. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not, I, I, I buy it. it I, I don't know. I guess it depends on how interact. Like, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to say anything about the lore with this expansion because it's, or this update because it's so, like. Yeah. It's not like the dawning where it's an event that's celebrated. Right. So I, I want to see how the NPCs interact with it first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, before we move on, uh, Handsome Dragon, who isn't here, I asked uh, I asked him to write something up, uh, and he wrote up this. I didn't get a chance to write anything down, but I'm super excited, ironic, I'm super excited about Age of Triumph. I feel it's the perfect mixture between giving everyone who plays something and also players who play hardcore, collectors, explorers, completionists, day one players, they all get something. I'm excited to be able to get the Vault of Glass emblems, which we never had before, and the Vault of Glass Ghost. I'm hoping they also add a Vault of Glass Crotazen sidearm or sword, but that may be wishful thinking. My guess is during the weekly raid, in addition to raid drops, we also have a chance to earn the Vex Leg armor set, which is something that we actually mentioned earlier. And possibly you can only earn the elemental primaries from weekly raids. I hope not, though. Uh, elemental primaries haven't been confirmed, but they've been mentioned, sort of like how they would affect the sandbox, and we'll see that on the last stream as well. Um, sorry, I thought they mentioned some changes to stories, which I'm curious about, whether they just upgraded light level stuff or changed anything around. And also Mayhem Nightfall, anyone else catch that hint? Which, if they gave us a Nightfall that acts like Mayhem Playlist, I'd be 100% all about. Uh, as for the last two, I disagree personally. I didn't, I didn't catch anything that sounded like Mayhem Nightfall. Did, uh... I've heard that thrown around actually a couple of different places, and I remember them saying, like, I remember Deej being like, blah blah blah, Mayhem, but I don't remember exactly what the context was. <laughs> Maybe he didn't mean it like Mayhem, the the game mode, but Mayhem. Well, like, I, the I chaos. felt like he put a a big emphasis on it like he was trying to communicate something <laughs> that is how Deej would would do it uh, yeah if if he were trying to communicate something Deej I can only imagine how hard it is for Deej to know things and not be allowed to say things because yeah. he, he loves it's obvious he loves the community he doesn't want to keep things secret but you know you get bitten so many times for saying things a little too soon you're not going to keep saying things too soon like until yeah. like someone's just waiting to press enter and the update goes live, he's keeping his mouth shut. For sure. All right. Well, 
that was our impressions on the first reveal stream. Next week, you will hear our impressions on the second reveal stream. Week after that, I don't, I don't know if we'll still do it, but uh, depending on what is revealed, since it's mostly supposed to be a sandbox update, that's not really our our thing. Uh, so let's let's get started into the lore on the paladins. Uh, so in the reef, there's a very different system of government than what we see in the tower. While the tower we have a consensus, a vanguard, and the speaker, the reef has a queen and her subordinates. One such group is her seven paladins. Currently, things are very different. Marasov is missing in action and presumed dead, so Petrovenge is acting as queen regent. The following cards are from the history of the reef, so they go back before this event and will eventually catch up to it. Our first card is the Royal Awoken Guard. In all military matters, the Queen's commands are carried out by her seven paladins. Four command the Royal Armada, including the Corsairs and the Vestian Guard, Abrazire, Kamala Rior, Halim Fenn, and Leona Brill. Two command the Royal Army, including the Reef's battle stations and military installations, Pevel Nolg, De- uh, Davy Castle, and the seventh paladin commands the Royal Awoken Guard, whose primary task is to safeguard the Queen in any and all matters. This includes threats not only to our person, but to the Reef as a whole. As such, the the Royal Awoken Guard work closely with the Queen's brother, Master of Crows, Prince Aldrin Solve, and every Guard member is trained in espionage and diplomacy as well as in firearms and hand-to-hand combat. So, there's a couple of things I want to mention about this card. Uh, Halim Fenn isn't one of the original uh, Paladins. He replaced one of them after they died uh and the seventh paladin mentioned not by name though is yasmin eld i wonder why she's not mentioned by name well it says uh, the seventh paladin commands the royal awoken guard i think it's just because, right i just think it's interesting because um, they're obviously listing them yeah they're like these people do this one two three yeah, that four. is that these is people weird, do this it? they forgot i don't know hmm all right. <laughs> it just yeah. No, weird. it didn't. Like, it they... just didn't dawn on me until you mentioned that. That is that is odd. Because like I saw that and I was like, oh wait, I have to remember to tell everybody the seventh one is Yasmin Eld because that might go over their heads. And I'm like, it just it just it felt natural to set that reminder. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then our next card would be Wanted Drevis or Wanted Drevis Wolf Baroness. The Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 4, Abstract. After a string of defeats at Amethyst and Hygieia, arguably at Iris, Prince Aldrin's crows finally made headway against the wolves' encryption. They quickly discovered a seemingly unimportant piece of information. The House of Wolves had incorrectly calculated the eccentricity of the asteroid Bamberga, so Paladin Imogen Rife chased Drevis, Wolf Baroness, directly into Bamberga's trajectory. Drevis's catch was destroyed, and both she and her high servitor, Calix IV, were captured. It was at the first decisive it was the first decisive reef victory since the scatter. But on her, on her way back to Vesta with her captives, Paladin Rife was attacked at Palace. Wanted Wexus the Meek. The Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 5. Abstract. Under Scolas's vassal Pyrsus, called Palace Bane. The wolves amassed the largest wolf fleet that had been since seen had been seen since the scatter. 
the queen could not use her harbingers against them. If she did, Imogen Rife and her fleet and all the people of Palace would have been killed as well. For years, the siege endured. At first, neither side dared to attack the other. On Palace, Paladin Rife knew that Pierces had the firepower to destroy the asteroid. Above Palace, Pierces held back, hoping to rescue Drevis and Calix Four and the other wolves that Paladin Rife had captured at the Battle of Bamberger's Wrath. The queen sought to defuse the siege by sending Armada Paladins Abrazair and Kamala Ryor into the Hildian asteroids, where Skolas was rumored to be hiding. But with the help of his tactician, Beltric, the Veiled, Skolas thwarted them. The stalemate over Palace was broken by, of all things, of all beings, a dreg, ironically dubbed Wexus the Meek. The dreg led dozens of followers into an unsanctioned attack on Palace. They managed to blast a hole in the the Athens hull, but were stopped soon after by Commander Hollam Fenn. Wexus and their surviving followers were imprisoned alongside those that had, they had come to save. Let's see. Um, this shows the uh, Hollam Fenn before he was a paladin. He was just Commander Hollam Fenn. And uh, it mentions uh, the Scatter. The Scatter was the the sort of initiation of the war uh, between the reef and the wolves, uh, when the original wolf Kelvarixis uh, set up base on Ceres, I think it Ceres. was. Ceres. Yep. Uh, Ceres, uh, Marasov decided, "I'm going to blow him up," and she did, causing the scatter. She also blew up. I think it was uh, not individually numbered, but sort of like rough estimated half a million wolves so <laughs> quite a bit yeah. uh so mike why don't why don't you read uh this next section here sure so this is another one of the wanted cards pierce's palace bane this is the maraid uh books eight chapter six abstract wexus's attack may have been unsuccessful but it inspired another deadlier assault this time, Pierces, the bane of Pallas herself, led another strike, blasting through the same Athens Hall breach that Wexus had weakened in his assault. Pierces's strike team managed to free Calix Four, but Paladin Imogen Rife, Imogen or Imogen? I say Imogen personally. Imogen. Okay. Imogen uh, cut them off outside Drevis's cell. Pierces may have escaped, but she refused to retreat without Drevis. Paladin Rife destroyed Calix Four to prevent the wolves from recovering it, and eventually the wolves were forced back, but not before Pierces slew Paladin Rife with her own blade. Finally, Commander Hallam, uh, Hallam Fenn, Imogen Rife's protege, was able to establish a line of communication with the rest of the reef. Working with the Techians and the Crows, they created an enormous, enormous visual illusion of the Harbingers, making it seem as if the Queen had finally decided to cut her losses and destroy the asteroid. It worked. The false Harbingers so scared the Wolf fleet that they broke ranks. Then the combined forces of Commander Fenn, Paladin Leona Brill, and Paladin uh, Kamala Rior slammed, capturing, slammed and capture. Uh, that's a weird sentence. Kamala Rior slammed, capturing Pierce's pal palace bane and driving the rest of the wolves off. Hallam Fenn brought Drevis to Vesta, years after Imogen Rife had set out to do so. As a reward for his service, the queen bequeathed him um, Rife's place among the seven paladins. So here we see Hallam Fenn earning his promotion. So um, why don't you uh, continue to uh, show how he was able to earn that promotion? 
Sure. Um, this is uh, Wanted Pierce's Palace Bane. This is the uh, bounty card for this. Skolas's most dreaded vassal led the siege of Palace, killed, killed Paladin Imogen Rife with her own hand. Petra. And uh, the last one there? Yep. And then payment six. Paladin Hallam Fenn commissioned this weapon in memory of his mentor, Paladin Imogen Rife. Okay. So, uh, first off, thank you for pronouncing Techians correctly. That is a major pet peeve of mine. Uh, <laughs> How is it pronounced incorrectly? T uh, like Texians. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like it either. Admittedly, that's what I. That's what I used to think it was. But if you if you hang out in the reef, they actually say the word. They call them Techians. Uh, and it's supposed to be Techians because they're tech witches. So Techians. Uh, huh, clever. Also. I had something to mention. Oh, uh, Hallam Fenn brought Drevis to Vesta years after Imogen Rife had set out to do so. So this sort of puts like a timestamp on just a, a roughly how long the the brief wars had gone on for. For years, a mm -hmm. single enemy was targeted. Well, yeah, and it says in the Wexus the meat card um, that says the siege endured for years. Oh yeah, so, awesome. Like, yeah completely this is this is taking that. a long time this is not like a few days yeah it's it's this isn't this is a proper war like this is not just like some battles between a few people that are mad at each other this is an all-out war in the in um the asteroid belt surrounding the inner the inner planets mm -hmm. this is uh well never mind that's that's a whole different topic <laughs> All right. Well, then that brings <laughs> us to Wanted, Beltric the Veiled, the Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 7. Abstract. Finally, Beltric the Veiled left the Hildians and massed a fleet at Fortuna to replenish his catches ether from the organic compounds found on the asteroid's surface. His ships landed on Fortuna at, at one at a time, the rest forming a defensive screen around its surface. He believed that Paladin Zyre would attack the screen and destroy her fleet against the shield wall. But Abrazire's fury over the Battle of False Tidings had chilled over the years into an icy clever resolve there it is again years they're, they're really reinforcing that and I, i'm sorry but <laughs> she separated her forces into into and engaged beltrix veil with what he thought was her entire host but in secret Aber deployed her second fleet with a weapon the reef had been working on since benberger cartabus a gravity weapon strong enough to knock asteroids off, off course Cartabus caught asteroid Tanet in its beam and flung it into Fortuna, destroying both and severely damaging Beltric's fleet. Beltric's fleet. Beltric was easily captured in the ensuing chaos and brought swiftly and brought swiftly to the queen. To f the fight became known as the Fortuna Plummet, as are on occasion the remains of the Fortuna and Tanet as well. After the Fortuna Plummet, one of Prince Aldrin's crows returned with a message from the fallen. By the name of Varix of the House of Judgment. And then Wanted, Calix 12. The Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 8, Abstract. In desperation, Skolas personally led an all out assault on the military fortress of Cybele. 
Little did he know that the queen knew of his plans, thanks to the word of Varix of the House of Judgment. No sooner had Skolas's catches arrived at the asteroid than all four Armada paladins, Abrazire, Kamala Rior, Leona Buru, Brill, and Halam Fen, caught him in a, a pincer movement. Kalix-12, the high servitor of Skurvix, the sharp-eyed, tried to escape, but Abrazire chased it down. Skolas's Cybele uprising had failed. He, Skurvix, Kalix-12, and the rest of his leaders were cast into the Queen's prisons. The Reef Wars were effectively over. But that's not the last we see about the uh, Paladins. Uh, Purple, would you please finish finish off what we know about them? Yes. So um, this is uh, from uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> quest, quest F Final Duty. Um, uh, creative, weapon. Or not Quest F, I'm sorry. It's the um, Pulse Rifle. It's a Pulse Rifle. Um, the, it says, created for Paladin Hela... Hallam Fen in honor of his efforts at the fortress on Cybele. And then Defiance of Yasmin. Shields up. Protect the queen. Brace for impact. Save the queen. Paladin Yasmin Eld. And then Telesto. Vestiges of the queen's harbingers yet linger among Saturn's moons. Public key 023629 DWS Regal. From Paladin Kamala Rayor. Paladin Commander TF5 Three, two acting regent Petrovenge. Subject: SNR report. Saturn, thirteen. Expanded search of Saturn's nearby moons produced only one notable discovery: a cloud of harbinger matter collected around Saturn's thirteenth moon, designation Telesto. A sample is enclosed for your examination. Still, no sign of primary objectives. Continued survey of the remaining one hundred thousand kilometer cubic kilometers of space is underway. But as an armada paladin of the Awoken, it is my duty to officially recommend declaration of death to the following, or death of the following. Paladin Yasmin Eld, Paladin Leona Brill, Pad- Paladin Abrazire, Paladin Pavel Nog, Tekian Shuro, Tekian Sedia, Tekian Kali, and the Awoken Queen Marasov. Note that as acting regent commander, it is not your duty to actually declare these deaths at this time message ends so what what happened what what was this what caused uh, them to die well, we the battle of saturn the opening cinematic <laughs> taken king and the, the opening cinematic taken king this sort of flew in there didn't didn't seem to notice that giant cannon <laughs> or maybe they did <gasps> <laughs> Mara Saab always has a plan. Yeah. So uh, this can I insert a shameless plug in here? Uh, oh I I would be upset if you didn't. Okay. Oh um. So on the third episode of Rabbit Hole Radio, we talked about this card and the queen and whether she's alive or not. And go the theory on. is that she is. And if you want to know about that theory, you should go listen to it. Awesome. Watch. Awesome. Watch. Awesome. Watch. Awesome. Watch it. No, listen. You mean listen? Or okay, whatever. But listen. So, uh, I'm looking at the Royal Awoken Guard right now. Uh, what were the uh, Paladins that died? If if you can read, if you can read it off again, what were the Paladins yeah. that were lost? So, Paladin Yasmin Eld, mm-hmm. Paladin Leona Brill, Paladin Abra Zaire, and Paladin Pavel Nolg. 
So we have one from or two from because uh, you said Hollum Fen, right? No, Yasmin, Leona, Abra, and Pavel. Okay, so then uh, Abrazire, uh, Leona Brill are both mm-hmm. from the Royal Armada, which is uh, including the Queen's Corsairs and the Vestian Guard. Pavel Nolg is from the Royal Army, including the Reef's Battle Stations and Military Installations. And the seventh one, Yasmin Eld, is essentially the right hand to the Queen. So it sort of shows, like, she took officers from each of her positions with her when she right well and and on the surface i mean that makes sense right it's Mm -hmm. presented when you watch the cinematic it's presented as the reef doing an assault on the dreadnought it is logical for her to bring these people with her Mm -hmm. you don't think that's exactly what it is though um i think that it's i think that that's not the end i i i completely agree i think I think it's more for the show of it. Sort of like saying, like, she knew, almost to say that she knew what was going to happen. And she knew she would survive it. But she also knew that if we went up there and tried to do that, we would not survive it. Nope. So it was sort of like a, if I do this, they'll know not to do this type of thing. Right. Well, and okay, so so this is a message from, um, I, I know I read it kind of fast, this is a message from one of the paladins, Kamala yep. Rior, to yep. Petra, who is acting regent mm-hmm. right now as Mara is MIA. And, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit um, on previously mentioned Rabbit Hole Radio episode about this last line, mm-hmm. not the message ends line, but the one before that. Yeah. About it, it says, note that as acting regent commander, it is not your duty to actually declare these deaths at this time. And I think that's really interesting because it obviously deviates from the neutral tone of the the rest of the message, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else is very factual. Like, we found this thing. It's like this. You know, these people are still missing, blah, blah, blah. Um. And it makes me wonder what the relationship between Kamala and Petra is. Mm-hmm. And if she's reminding her, because it could be taken like two different ways, right? Mm-hmm. It's either, it could be that Kamala is really good friends with Petra and she's like, hey, I know you're freaking out, right? but you don't have to actually take that step. You know, I just, this is my duty to report this. Like you don't have to do anything. Yeah. And the other step, the, the other way to look at it is like Kamala has been in this, in her position for a while. And this is a new position for Petra. And Kamala is reminding her what, where her um, what responsibilities are, end. Yeah. yeah. Like she's, she's putting Petra in her place. Right. Yeah. Because uh, Kamala, if uh, I scroll back up, Kamala is one of the Royal Armada, uh, which means she is in charge of the Queen's Corsairs, which is what Petra was. One exactly. Of. So 
it's a little weird that Kamala is still alive, but Petra became the acting queen regent. So I would take it more as the second one, where it's like Kamala isn't okay with it, and she's saying like, "Hey, I'm still your boss. That is not your dude." Like sort of like that. Like I'm still going to push my authority on you, type of thing. Yeah, and you know, it, it just kind of depends, and we don't know enough about these people to draw, I think, any kind of conclusion, mm. because we don't, I mean, like, on the surface, Petra was was made region commander, like, if you look at it from a game perspective, like, she's the character Only we know the most, known. Yeah. so, like, that's why it makes sense for it to be her, we don't know what the inner politics of that, you and know, also, as far as the lore goes. And also why uh, Varix became the Master of Crows on the death of uh, Prince Aldrin. Even though it almost seems like any other one of the surviving paladins could be a better ma- uh, Master of Crows. Even though it was actually uh, Yasmin Eld who had direct, like, regular contact with him, any of the other ones should be better than the fallen you know like the one who really shouldn't be trusted all that much and just to sort of offer a third way of actually reading that line this is an official report you know this isn't just like hurt this is this is an actual thing talking about the death of uh the death quote unquote of marasov and she's sending it to petra so maybe the reason Petra's in place is because, like, they needed, uh, they needed, the like, I, I want to say the canary. I don't know if people would understand my meaning by that. They needed to put the canary in charge. Sort of like uh, from The Simpsons, uh, Mr. Burns, the head of the company was actually a canary. So if anything ever actually went wrong, it's not my fault, it's the canary's fault. He's the head of the company. Like that type of thing. They needed to put Petra in charge. Someone who's actually out of the loop. And not aware of what's actually going on. To sort of protect them from what they're doing in secret. Where uh, Kamala Rior is saying for the official report. It is my recommendation that declaration of death of the following. Paladin, Yasmanel, uh, Leona, blah, 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 blah. But don't actually go saying that like this is just for the it's almost to say like this is only for the official report that will yeah be this seen. is only for paperwork yeah uh-huh. like this but not for don't actually put the awoken people in a panic because we're doing some secret shit you know like this is for someone else this is not for you this is not for the awoken people this is for someone who someone else who is seeing this possibly the well, nine you know that that's an interesting thought that you that you bring up because um, that puts a little bit of like a malicious not non malicious is the right word but Ulterior. like that they're doing something without Petra's knowledge and that mm-hmm. she's got to be kind of like a puppet. Yeah, that's but, a puppet. Um, if if you look at that same situation without like the puppetry of it, it could be like that the paladins that are still remaining um, have obviously a lot of field experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas Petra 
I mean, the last time she really got field experience was she, like she, she blew up some guardians, <laughs> right? So um, she's been doing liaisons, like social work oh. ever since. And so she's not going to be very helpful. I mean, we know she kind of panics anyway because we know what her reactions were when... Um, like during the reef wars when her sisters were killed. Mm -hmm. So I think putting her as like keeping her in, in the reef as a liaison, as, as a social head is much more practical because the paladins that are, that are still left, like they need to be out in the field doing field work because that's what they're best at. You don't want one of them bogged down with doing paperwork. And, <laughs> and not only that, but, uh, she was the, essentially the primary communicator for us in the House of Wolves. You know, she's the one who's got the relationship with the Guardians. She's the one who's got the relationship yeah. with the Tower. So to put anyone else in charge would just sort of be like, like I don't know you. I don't know if I can actually trust you. I don't like the Speaker. The Vanguard would be like, uh, you want to send our Guardians where now? Like, no, get yeah. out of here. Already but when Petra, it, well, yeah, but when Petra's saying it, it's like, yeah, you know, we we've got a working relationship with you. We can trust you. Yeah, Petra came to. I mean, she was in the tower for a while. She was our, you know, the tower liaison. Mm -hmm. you know, even even if it she, was a punishment, she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was there. You you end up having a working relationship with someone when they work, you know, down the hall from you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's that's a really good. That's a really good point. All right. Well, uh, does anyone have anything else they'd like to say, or should we just wrap it up? Nothing else to conclude on this, I think. Okay. Then, uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lorecast. Until next week, you can find us on Twitter at Destiny Lorecast. We'd love to hear from you, so please give us your thoughts and theories, uh, especially if you actually do have a theory. Uh, moving forward, we are going to not make not make changes, but we're going to sort of broaden the spectrum of what we do a little bit. So email us if you have a if you have a good theory, you think you have a good theory, e email it email it to us and we will definitely read it. Um like personally and maybe not on air, but we'll definitely go through it. We'll consider uh consider getting in touch with you. But if you'd like to help us grow, go leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us and other great podcasts such as The Destiny Down Under, RNG Cast, Massive Breakdowns, Rabbit Hole Radio, and the DTR Podcast. Am I forgetting one? I think that's it. I always feel like I'm forgetting one. Uh, podcast in the DTR network. Uh, so, Mike, where can people find you? Well, you can finally find me back on Destiny. Started playing that again today, so that was good to get back into that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Mythos Mike. I'm going to be a little more active on there, getting back in with, into the community again. So, um, loved interacting with you guys. I, I got a had a little message exchange with someone the other day, and it's always fun to discuss lore and just you know gaming in general with you guys. So, feel free to reach out to me on there. Um, you can also find some of my old writing and uh, video articles uh, over at planetdestiny.com in the uh, Planet Destiny YouTube channel. And then um, you might find me uh, streaming here again soon on uh, uh, twitch.tv forward slash mythosmike. Awesome. Purple. 
You can find me the, on Twitter. What? Across the like massive amount of internet where you can be found on like half of it. Where where can people find you? I don't I don't know if it's that much. You are all over the place. You can find me on Twitter at Purple Chimera. You can find me on ishtardashcollective.net and all of the sub associated things therein, including podcast forum, etc. You can find me on Rabbit Hole Radio and here on Destiny Lorecast. That is awesome. You can you can find me here and um you can find me on my Twitter, and I'm gonna get gonna put a little space here because I don't know if I can actually say it. I, can I actually say it? You probably know what I'm talking about. Can I actually say it? Because I know it's sort of done, but it's not done yet. Are you talking about an Ishtar thing? Yes. No. Oh, that. I can't say it. Don't say anything no. about that. Fine, but I want to. I know. <laughs> it's done, though. It's not live yet. Okay, fine. Then I'm going to... I'm just going to talk about the conversation that I had with Ishtar, uh, with Baxter from the Ishtar Collective, because he already said I could I could tweet out the picture. Um, he recently sent me a link and said, don't share this link yet. That's about all that's actually worth it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Something's happening. It's awesome. Ooh. I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> you can you can get mad at me if you want. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>